I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. This season of Fairy God Boss Radio is brought to you by Cisco, the worldwide leader in IT networking and cybersecurity solutions. Cisco is deeply committed to inclusion and diversity because without diversity thought and a commitment to equality, there's no moving forward. Cisco was voted a top company for women by its female employees on Fairy God Boss. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today I'm here with Angie Grillo, who is the VP of Talent Marketing at United Health Group. Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Angie, would love to hear more about your career and your career journey. You've been with United Health Group a long time. How did you start out and how did you grow into the role you're in now? Yeah, I will be happy to. So I, I've been with a company. I'll be celebrating 25 years in February uh, of next year. Wow. And you don't um, hear that yeah, a lot. No, I know. And you started um, I, when you were five. Right. <laughs> exactly. Obviously. Uh, I started as a HR generalist and that that's really what I had gone to school for. So I spent a couple years as a nurse recruiter working part-time at a hospital and then landed the position at United Healthcare at the time. And the role was what I thought I went to college for and was in that role for about five years. And then through reorganization, so just to set a little bit of context of what was going on back then, about 1999, 2000 timeframe, pretty much human resources was going through a digital transformation. So that was when job boards were first hitting the market and applicant tracking systems were being implemented and a lot of things that you used to have to walk down the hallway to talk to your HR person about was now going to be available online. And so just that whole transformation of the HR industry came to the company, obviously. And as the company was looking at outsourcing some parts of human resources, creating more of a call center operation like like many companies have today to get your basic human resources questions answered. Um, the Really, the role of that field human resources generalist was going by the wayside. And so my role was actually eliminated and I was in a help us close down the HR office mode for about two months. And during that time, I was given the opportunity to start working as a recruiter and to stay with the company. And I remember distinctly thinking, no way am I going to be a recruiter because that's not what I went to school for. Mm. (laughs) But also thought, gosh, I have three young children at home. Maybe I should take this job. So I did take the role. Uh, I asked if I could also work on special projects because I was pretty interested in the implementation of the applicant tracking system and said some of that digital transformation that I was feeling as a human resources person, right? And so that's what I did. I did that for about five years. I was able to start working at home before working at home was so cool as it is today. So in 2001, I started working from home full-time, working as a recruiter. And then from there, surprising even myself, I would say I loved recruiting I went from, you know, being part of reorganizations where I was telling people that their jobs were eliminated or I was in these really tough coaching situations with a manager and then all of a sudden I was making people job offers. Feels so much better. Oh my goodness. And hearing, you know, we were doing a lot of college recruiting at the time. So hearing these college kids, you know, celebrating with their parents in the background when when I made the offer, I mean, just such a better, such a better (laughs) right job. Um, So that, that was a surprise to me how much I really enjoyed it. And then true to my boss's word at the time when he offered me the job, I really did get to work on special projects and really got to shape 
what recruiting in this virtual world was going to feel like at the company. And we were in a huge growth mode. So it was a great place to be at that time. We, I think when I started here, we had 35,000 employees and we're up to 325,000 right now. So wow, that's huge. Being, yeah, being in recruiting for any amount of that has been fascinating to say the least. So I moved through recruiting leadership types of roles, probably for about 10 years. And then last year took a role talent marketing. And it's a bigger career switch than it probably sounds like to people, because I think after being in human resources for 20 plus years, moving into a marketing minded function has been a stretch for me. So the last year has been, uh, even though it's still in HR at United Health Group, and it's very much about engaging talent, which is all great things that I can pull in my experience to do. It also brings me into a marketing function that I have, you know, I have a little bit of academic knowledge of, but not, and consumer knowledge of, I guess, but not really running the function. So that, I don't know, that's been kind of fascinating to make such a big career switch later in my career too. Well, I love your courage and your excitement about making those changes. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. You've had many promotions and job changes along the way. How would you advise us all to position ourselves for that next promotion? What did did you do that helped you get promoted so often? (laughs) Well, I mean, I do think part of it is being positioned in the part of the company that was required to drive growth, I think was you know, Find I didn't know it in 2000. We should all be looking for right. the Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I didn't know that in 2000. Like that wasn't my conscious decision, you know, that, oh, this will be an area where I can grow. Matter of fact, I thought that was going to be a step back. And my, I thought I was going to work at home and balance my career and home life better and might be a step back. It's not what I went to school for. But I think being open during that time to what the opportunity might have was a key part of my future success because, Then what happened is I started taking on more responsibility or raising my hand for special projects or those types of things. You know, that openness where I might go in the future, I think really served me well. So I think that's also. And then the other thing is just natural curiosity. I mean, I was, I remember being such a sponge. I mean, when all of a sudden we had stuff at our fingertips, and I'm probably dating myself for people who just have grown up that way, but to all of a sudden have information about the company in an intranet site, for instance. I mean, I knew many of my peers who that stuff was rolled out and nobody ever looked at it. And they they didn't approach work with a natural curiosity, whereas I would go off and research and find things and bring things to my leader and say, you know, I found this out about this thing that's going on in the business and I think we need to do something about it from a recruiting perspective. So just always being naturally curious and not just being quiet about it, but actually asking the questions and saying, I think we can do things differently. And and I feel like I took that approach to the work during all those years that you're seeing in that LinkedIn profile. And then, so at least twice you took on a new assignment that you had not previously done. So what did you learn about what it meant to step in to be the VP of talent marketing when you had not previously done talent marketing? Oh, that's a good question. I would say for that role specifically, I think really taking a step into what do I know already? And, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills. And so really thinking about like, oh, what are the skills that I'm bringing to this that will help lead this team, I think has been a big part of it. And then also not being afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, now I have people that report up to me who have more functional knowledge than I do, which is the first time that's been the case in my career. I mean, all my other leadership positions, I've sat in the role that of the people I'm leading, and this time I'm not. And I think being willing to 
just put myself out there and say, you guys know more than I do, help me make this decision has been really, I think it's served me well so far. So that willingness to be vulnerable, I think, um, is an important part of it. We don't have to know all the answers. We just have to trust that we'll absorb them along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about gender in your career. Have you noticed a way that genders played a role along the way? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, human resources from a labor market perspective is there, there's a lot of women <laughs> in the field. Um, yes, there are. I think it's probably played out more in my personal life. So, I mean, one example I would give is that when I started working from home for the first time ever, I had this perspective of like, oh, I'm not going to drop my kids off at daycare. My husband's, they still went to daycare, but my husband did that because I was at home. And I, in my head, I thought, and I think my husband kind of thought, oh, well, you're going to be at home. You're going to be able to do all these domestic things more often than you do today. Uh, I mean, honestly, I really did think like that was what it would feel. And instead, I was so surprised. I I remember being so surprised at the time of, uh, no, actually, I'm doing less cooking because I don't even want to look at these walls anymore. Like, please take me to a restaurant. Uh, And I also would say that as my children went through school, it was so interesting how I would meet different women and people had this perception of the type of role I must have if I'm able to work at home. Hmm. And I don't know if that's a gender thing as much of, of just the telecommuting perception. It could be both, but especially from women who just would make some assumptions about that and or, you know, make judgment statements to me about, wow, and you still take your child to daycare? And then I'd have to explain like, well, yeah, because I have a real job that I'm doing every day, you know, those types of of things. So that part, I think, has just been, you know, through the years I've I've observed, my husband was also a stay-at-home dad for a few years. And there was a lot of pushback. I would, that is helpful, but also I was surprised at how, from a social perspective, both of us felt a lot of pushback on that idea of me working and travel. At that point, I was traveling to corporate headquarters, you know, more often than I had before. And having that home base and all that, I would say is a reason why I've been able to succeed. But a lot of people don't necessarily understand that or they go right to the negative, what must be the negative parts of that. And I feel like women do that to each other more than more than we'd like to admit sometimes. It's so frustrating, right? It's got to change because I think we've all got to be lifting each other up and applauding whatever each other is doing for sure. Mm-hmm. So from where you sit now marketing to thousands, potential recruits a year, mm-hmm. What do you think we can all be doing in the workplace to help advance gender equality and help drive our companies to gender parity? Well, I do think, you know, there's this whole idea that I feel like has picked up a lot of steam in the last few years of being an advocate or being an ally for people. And I do think that's a big part of it. I I have a particular person through much of my career here who I know was an advocate for, especially me being able to continue to progress in my career and not need to move to Minneapolis, which is, you know, where the corporate headquarters are. And so matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story about that. So I I actually reported to this person for a couple of years and then there was a position that was posted and I really thought I could do this position, but it was posted as a Minneapolis based position. And I, I just wasn't at a point where I could relocate. My parents live near me and my mom was already having some early onset dementia and I really didn't want to leave Ohio. And so she really went to bat for me on that role and how she felt like based on my work history, I could do the role as a telecommuter. So let's give Angie a chance. And a few years later, I ended up reporting to her again. 
And the other thing I would say about this particular person who I feel like has been an advocate for me is by then I was at a level where it was, if you were in human resources at the level I was at, it was unusual not to be located in Minneapolis. So she would often introduce me and say things like, you're going to love working with Angie. She's a telecommuter, but she's one of those telecommuters that I feel like she's right down the hallway. Like you just feel like she's here all the time. A great of, advocate you know, and, and yes, you know, looking back and reflecting on that, like it, I think it disarmed people enough to say, oh, okay, well, if she trusts her, I'm going to trust her and I'm going to do work with her. So I think about that. And I think that's a great way that I try to live by that. <laughs> I so appreciate what she did for me. And I try to live by that too, of thinking, what is it about this person? You have to know people to know it, but what, what is it about this person that I can help be their advocate and or be really open to them to say, how can you advocate for yourself? So ha- building those relationships, I think are really important too. Yeah. And it is amazing what a difference a sponsor like that can make. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you, you clearly are the master telecommuter before it was what all of us do. What are some tips you can give us about how you've made it work? And especially uh, kind of both from the work-life boundary stuff, but also making your presence known virtually. Yeah, I think work-life balance, part of it is, I don't think I'd be saying anything that most people haven't read, but really honoring and creating boundaries, I think is really important. I mean, I love all the new mobile tools and ways that I can maybe stay connected. But then, so I I do think that there's a way to integrate work and life, not just close the office door and go to dinner. And there are many times that I'm checking email later, but I do that with the understanding that I'm not burning myself out or I'm trying to just get this one thing done and yet I'm getting to spend time with my family as well. And so I think there's just, everyone knows their own limits on that and you need to reflect on those so you don't let it get in front of you, I think. I would also say that the virtual, so the the idea that when people are in an office together, there are these more spontaneous conversations that happen. Right, right. I would say early in my telecommuting journey, I realized that was an important part that I was missing. I was missing that. And so you have to work harder as a telecommuter to make those spontaneous things happen. And it's easier now with the collaboration tools that we have. But, you know, at the time, there was no such thing as instant messaging or anything like that to try to mimic those spontaneous conversations. And so I would just randomly call people and say, how's your day? Or what, you know, what, what are you working on today? Or if I could tell I was hanging up from a meeting where I was the only person on the phone, I still do this. And I can tell that there are people in the room, which isn't happening now, but you know what I mean, before COVID. Um, if I can tell that there are people in the conference room and the topic wasn't quite finished, you have, to, you have to be real in tune with like, how's the conversation going? Is it really over? Are those two people going to walk out of that conference room and now still talk about it? And if so, how do I insert myself back into that conversation so that I can influence the outcome? Those are the things that I would do. And, and now I, I would say as we got more digital tools, that might be a quick instant message to say, hey, did you guys keep talking about that? I'd like to be part of that. I mean, just being really open and honest about it too, I think is important. A question I get a lot is I'm not in the office anymore, so I'm not going to bump into a senior leader or I'm afraid a senior leader isn't aware of the work I'm doing. How do we help make our work visible and create opportunities for ourselves when we're all in our homes? That's a tough one. I mean, Although I will say it might be a little bit easier since everybody's in their home. Yeah, right? it's a great equalizer, right? Yes. And this is a hard one for me because I'm not one of those people that's real motivated by raising my hand because I think it's going to be visible. I'm very motivated by raising my hand to do things that I think are interesting. 
But that probably yields better results, right? Because it's so authentic. I think so. I also think you have to know who is visible, right? So get to know those people who, you know, who's that person's go-to. So if there's a particular person in the organization that you feel like, gosh, I wish I had more visibility with that person, I think it's important to understand who does and how can you seek out either working on projects with that particular person or, you know, and I also think managing up is an important part of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like I've always had plenty of visibility with my own leader, like the person I'm reporting to. Everyone I've reported to in my time has been very good about staying connected, having regular status meetings, you know, things where you can update and say, here's what's going on with my team. I think it's that next level up or, or beyond or your boss's peers that sometimes people think, oh, if only that person knew me, they would ask me to be on that project or whatever. I think you have to be willing to ask your own manager for that introduction. And I have done that. I mean, I've, I've been in situations where I felt like, especially taking over the talent marketing team, I felt like right away that there were some relationships that I needed to really seek out. And it was one of the first things that I talked to my boss about to say, you need to help make some introductions for me so that I can be an advocate of my own team's work. And also I try to equip her with as much knowledge as possible so she can naturally do that for us as well. That's so smart. So really understanding what are the relationships you need to be successful, both Mm -hmm. from a current role perspective and then also to kind of have the next opportunity or to advance. Yeah. But that does require knowing yourself also and knowing, I mean, and knowing what you, where you, I mean, for me now in my career, I feel like I'm doing that more to advocate for my team and make sure that we can get the work at hand done in the right ways. But I think when you're an individual contributor or what, I mean, you have to really think about where do I want to go? What work is really important that's visible versus not, you know, and, and try to be reflective a little bit on why that might pay off in the future. Yeah, I definitely, that is some great advice I'm getting from you, which is this idea of like choosing your assignments wisely or pursuing your assignments wisely. Um, mm-hmm. at, you mentioned three children. So as we have already observed, have been promoted many times and you did this clearly while raising three children. Any tips on how you managed that all at once? Well, after 2001, I actually had a surprise child in 2008. So I have four children. I have four daughters. My goodness. <laughs> um, That's a crowded yeah, bathroom. And- <laughs> I will say the time spread between the third and the fourth d- does help with that because she's the only one at home now. First of all, I did say this already, but I feel like I've been very lucky on, you know, that, and that, that I'll give the analogy of how people say if you're going to send your kids off to college. And the thing that your college kids should know is that they always have this home base that they can lean on. I think about that in a professional sense and think I've always felt that way. I've always felt like I had this really solid home base and I can go travel to meetings in other locations, come back. And not just my fam- my husband and my kids, but my ex- my family is there and they're supportive. And I think it's important. However, that comes about with people, whether it's your family or your friends or your your network that you have in your home, in your social life, I guess I would say, it's important to have that support system, I think. It takes a village. It does. Yes. And I, I've always had that and, and I appreciate that. So I don't sit here and say it's been easy. I mean, I, there have been lots of times where trying to juggle, part of this is because of the age span. I mean, my oldest was going to college at the same time that my youngest was headed to kindergarten. And so that was, and then it dawned on me that year, that's a lot. And it dawned on me that year of, 
oh my gosh, I've got 13 years of school down that my kids are doing and I got 13 more to go. What the heck? <laughs> How did this happen? Uh, and so, but I don't know. It's just such a part of my life now that I just, that's who I am, you know? It's wonderful. And it's also, you've been a great role model, I'm sure, to these four young women. Yeah, I hope so. The oldest two um, are going into teaching professions, which I kind of um, smile because I think, you know, that what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you are now? I think teaching could have been in the cards, maybe. I don't know. I love it. And I, I we all appreciate them, especially right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's wonderful. I'm going to move to the really fun questions now, Angie. Are you ready? I am. What is your karaoke song? Um, my karaoke song would probably be Pink Houses by John Cougar Mellencamp. Uh, my family knows that if that song is on, you do not interrupt me or ask me any questions because I have to sing every last word of that song. Well, keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> How do you practice self-care? I think spending time with my family, honestly, is a big part of my self-care. And we RV camp um, on the weekends, so so spend a lot of time, especially in and around Ohio and Indiana. We've got some great state parks, so I um, love that. Great tradition. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? (laughs) Uh, This question is funny. Okay, I'm going to tell you who comes to mind because it's really not a celebrity in the traditional sense of the word, but um, Adam Grant Oh, I love Adam Professor, organizational psychologist, right? It's kind of a nerdy celebrity to want to have dinner with. But um, if he's listening, hopefully he would appreciate that. But yeah, I'd love to have dinner with him. Yeah, I think he has really enlightening uh, ideas. I love his podcast. Maybe this is related. What's a book you'd recommend to our audience? Probably, and actually I have my leaders on my team doing a little book study of this right now. So I'll just give a plug for uh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that book. And I, much of her advice resonates for me a lot from some mistakes I've learned from in my life as well. So I I really appreciate that book. Yeah. I think clarity is so important and it, it feels hard, but without it, there is so much room for miscommunication. For sure. All right, Angie. It's a fairy god boss tradition. To ask our guests to brag, we observe women are not good at taking credit for our work or the achievements that we've made that would help us get promoted even when we're not in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you to brag to us about something you're great at or something you're really proud that you've accomplished. Uh, You're right. This is a hard one. It's It's so hard hard. uh, to brag. But I, I mean, the thing I'm really proud of is that I am a continuous learner. Yes, you are. I... I had every intention to, and even academic wise, I had every intention of getting my master's right out of college and then instead started a family. But even though it was on the back burner, I ultimately ended up going back and getting my MBA. And then right now I'm in a doctorate program. Wow. Uh, but you really I, when genuinely I, are a continuous learner. Well, I am like, and I don't mean to go, cause I think you can be a continuous learner without being on the academic side of continuous learning. But I think it's just so at the core of who I am that there isn't a thing that happens in my work life that I'm, you know, not picking apart, reflecting, putting it back together, internalizing my part of that success or failure and just continually, relentlessly pursuing my own curiosity that I mentioned earlier in the conversation. I I think that my ability to want to go out and learn more and never feel like that I've learned enough, I feel really proud of that. I'll brag about that for a minute. I think you should. It's amazing and it's inspiring. And it obviously has rewarded you in your career and your career journey. 
because your accomplishments, even though you've been remote, your accomplishments clearly have been visible enough for you to continually be tapped for the next thing. So with that, I have to ask you, what's the number one piece of advice you'd like to leave our audience with? You know, I think my biggest thing would be this ability to, and I've alluded to this a little bit as we've talked, but this ability to critically think about a situation and be solutions oriented. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so often right now I see people defeated by the problem at hand rather than being willing to be part of the solution. So I think the way that comes about in our work life is very much on how do we help each other focus on the things we can impact and not get mired down in the things that make us feel helpless. So that's probably the thing I tell my team most often is let's focus on what we can do today and, you know, just roll up your sleeves and say, how can I help? Because I think that that's a really important thing to do in our careers. Yes. And gets you rewarded, gets you advanced, keeps you learning, keeps you moving. And I, I loved this conversation because it started with you sort of being digitized out of a job and ends up with you running the show. And Isn't that ironic? So along the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think it, it is a great career lesson for all of us. So thank you for spending time, Angie. I'd love to talk to you today. Yeah. Thank you, Romy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.